Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When we're really down and when we're really hurting, You'll find yourself from time to time crying, praying out loud. Sometimes they're very quiet with their prayers. They don't voice them much. But when you're in a desperate place, you will cry out loud to God. Even if it's as short as, oh God, help me. If you're in one of those things. You're not ashamed of God then. You're not ashamed of prayer then. It's amazing to contemplate that as a Christ follower, you can actually talk to the creator of the universe. That's so humbling and awe-inspiring. So much so that many people don't spend much time in prayer. If you're one of those people, Pastor Mark's teaching will be encouraging to you today. He will be reminding you that God wants to communicate with you. He is the one who created prayer. His goal is for you to reach for the potential he has for you. You can't find out what that is unless you're paying attention to what he's trying to say to you. He loves you so much. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 22 as he continues in this series called The Life of David. First Samuel chapter 22, a very uh, low point in the life of David. We've learned that David has lost his job. He's not in the palace anymore. He's lost his wife. He's lost his best friend, Jonathan. And when David goes to Gath, an enemy city, the Philistines, And he acts as a madman, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. David also lost his self-respect. It's at this time that we see the grace of God, a God that forgives. And at this low point, we're going to study just a little bit in the Psalms tonight because David writes about this experience. Before we get there, we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. And David left Gath, that Philistine city, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers in his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. So even though David has lost Basically everything, we don't know what in the world he's doing. God protects him, and he leaves this city filled with enemies and escapes to a cave, the cave of Adullam. Interesting name because in the original language it means refuge. 
David goes to a dark cave because he can't go anywhere else. He can't go back home. He can't go to the palace. He couldn't go to Samuel. He couldn't go to Jonathan. He couldn't go to the house of the Lord. And he didn't want to go back to Gath. So God opens for him a cave. There are actually some people that believe you can see that area where he's at. It's kind of a no man's land. There are other people that believe that where he really went was kind of near Masada, down in a very isolated area, kind of a safe area. You'll see why in a moment, where nobody's really going to go down and look for you. Now, this is just one of the many caves that happens to be in that area. Of course, it would be much bigger than that. You'll see why in a moment. Well, when he got to that cave of refuge, somewhere during that time, David wrote about it. And, you know, I've challenged you to write some things in your journal of those God opportunities, those God miracles, those promises that God has brought you into your life so that you can go back and remember them. And David wrote this, and it gives us a feeling. So keep your finger right there in 1 Samuel 22, and we'll head back to Psalm 142. There's actually three psalms connected with this passage, and we're just going to read. And as you get there, it's really uh, in the Old Testament. Just go to the Old Testament, and then halfway through that Old Testament, you'll find psalms. It's an interesting that he would, as he wrote this, that somehow it got translated to us. And we hear David, you can picture him in this dark, well, it's a cave. What can you say about a cave? It's dark, it's damp, it's lonely. Listen to him, Psalm 142. I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him my trouble. What I think is good is, David understood this. The solution to David's problem And the solution to our problem is the same. It's prayer. It's prayer. Remember, prayer is a two-way conversation. David knew that before. I think the question he's wondering is, as he, as he calls out to God, will this be a, will this be a loving God after all he's done to lose respect and lie? And you'll see the result of that lie later. But prayer allows us to voice our requests and, of course, our our praise to God. And it also allows God, as you'll see, and God did, he's going to speak not just in a voice to David, but he's going to speak to circumstances. You're going to see the answer to this prayer. That's what's exciting to me. David, I mean, he's in a cave. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just tells God how he's feeling. Have you ever told God how you're feeling? You say, well, I don't want to tell God how I'm feeling. I might hurt him. He already knows how you're feeling. It's okay. Because sometimes we just have to be honest and say, God, look, I don't understand what in the world's happening here. God, I need help. It's fine. David does this. And I think there's one other thing. When we're really down and when we're really hurting, you'll find yourself from time to time crying, praying out loud. Sometimes they're very quiet with their prayers. They don't voice them much. But when you're in a desperate place, you will cry out loud to God. 
even if it's as short as, oh, God, help me, if you're in one of those things. You're not ashamed of God then. You're not ashamed of prayer then. So it's comforting for David to know that when he's weak, he can let it all out. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling. Just tomorrow morning, get on your knees and just let it out to God. It's okay. And you'll see that as we do that, well, you can be assured God's going to hear us. God hears our prayers. Now, not only does God hear our prayer, but sometimes we forget this. Here's the first thing to write tonight. Depending where you're at, God knows our pain. He knew exactly what David was suffering. And he knows what you're suffering tonight. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, or whether it's spiritual. He knows. And so we're to call out to God and be real with him. We're his kids. He wants to hear from us. Verse 3. When my spirit grows faint within me, ever been there? Discouraged? Don't know which way to go? I've blown it. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, David says, men have hidden a snare for me. Now, who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about King Saul's coming. He knows there's going to be trouble. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Remember, he's lost all of the supports. If tonight we'd look at all of our friends and our jobs and all of these things as crutches, that we just have lots of crutches we could walk on, he has no crutch. He's lost them all. So he just says, God, God, look at my situation here. There's nobody concerned. There's nobody that cares. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm just by myself. Notice also, I think it's important, verse 3, God knows how to direct us on his path. David doesn't know what's next. I mean, he's not going back to Gath. He can't go back to the kingdom. He doesn't know what's next. But notice he says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it's you that know my way. So there's always a next step. And God is going to show him what that next step is. Maybe you're here tonight and kind of at a place you don't know where to go. Just pray out to God. Notice what he says there in verse 3. In that path where I'm walking. So God's going to take him. God's going to take him from here to there. But David doesn't know where there is. He just knows here is a dangerous place. He is temporarily in a cave of refuge, but where will there be? How will he get there? Well, God knows it. So David has really, if you think about him in this cave, he has no security. He has no food. He has no hope. He has no one to really talk to. On top of that, he knows what he's just done. He doesn't understand the significance of all of it, the lies. You'll see that tonight, but he knows he's lied to try to get the food that he did have initially. Now, when you think about all this, very often God will allow us to come to a place where we have really nothing. And then we go, okay, God, I do need help. You're my refuge. That's really what he's saying. So not only does God know our pain, but God cares about us right now. You're going to see God answered David in this cave. Well, where are you tonight? That's the first question. Wherever you are, whatever those circumstances, 
God cares about you. He knows your pain. He wants you to call to him. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So notice what David does in verse 5. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. So here David realizes that even though he is in difficult circumstances, but it is good to be alive, it's the land of the living. So there's a ray of hope in this dark cave. And he knows that that hope is connected to one thing, God. Wherever we're at, however dark, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is God. That's where our hope is in. So we learned last weekend how no matter what, God is working for us and working out that plan in our life. And he has amazing things that he wants to do in our life with David. David doesn't know, but in a moment, opportunities are going to begin to open for him. God's grace is going to usher him on a path to the kingdom. Amazing things are going to happen. So if you're here tonight, remember, just maybe you feel like you're in a cave, depressed, whatever. You're not alone. God's there. His wisdom's there. His next path for you is there, and his lovingness is there. Look at verse 6. Now, God, listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Interesting that David calls this cave basically a prison. You're going to see that in the next verse, verse 7. Set me free from this prison. Well, when everything begins to close in on us, it's like a prison. It could be circumstances, it could be health, it could be finances, it could be a relationship, it could be work. When it closes in, it's lonely. There's despair, there's no hope, and there's no escape. That's exactly what he feels like. What David did in this prayer, when he felt like that, he cried out to God. Again, that is the key. Look at verse 7. Now set me free from my prison, that I might praise your name. Because I can't set myself free. I can't solve what's here. So God, you set me free from this prison. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Now, you're going to see how that really plays out in a moment. So David is simply confident that God would answer his prayers and free him from these helpless conditions and feelings. That's one of the things I think is very important for us. And it's sometimes... We're, when we pray, we forget this aspect. If we're going to have prayers that are answered, we have to mix faith with our prayer. In other words, we have to, we just don't go through a formula of praying and not believing. We have to mix faith with our prayers. That God is, we don't know how necessarily, but that God is going to answer our prayers. Let me read you a passage of scripture. And I'm gonna, and just It's a, a very simple thing, but sometimes we, we forget this passage that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I remember this passage because it's A-S-K, ask, ask. Seek and knock. You might want to write that in your Bible. You'll always remember it. You'll never forget this passage. Ask, seek, knock. Ask. Ask. What's it mean? 
I have a desire. I have a need. I know that God's going to answer because God's a good God. Notice, some people are afraid to ask. Well, no. What does God say? Ask. Ask. I love to give good gifts to my kids. I love to meet your needs. That's why we're in a relationship. Because you can't, but I can. So ask. Very often, that's why we don't receive. There's lots of reasons we don't get our prayers answered. Probably the number one is we don't ask. We don't. And, and I know you've been there like I've been there. After I got through the situation, I went, well, dummy. It's okay to call yourself dummy. Have you ever called yourself dummy? Yeah. I just said to myself, you dummy. You never stopped and prayed. No wonder you got in this mess. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? A few of you? Good. Praise the Lord. The rest of you are perfect. You can go home now. <laughs> Not a chance. Ask. Ask. I know God can answer. That's where you mix the faith in. Some of you are wondering what's going to happen in the workforce. Begin asking. Begin asking. God's going to open doors. Next, seek. Seek means I want to make sure I'm asking the right thing. Direction in God's will. Sometimes I don't know what to ask. So I, I know I got to go through the scripture. And so I want to do what God's will is. Because I know this from scripture. The book of 1 John says, if I ask in his will, it will be done to me. So the key is, what do you want, God? And if I'm asking wrong, just show me. You show me what you want. Because I want to pray in your will. For instance, let me give you an idea how you can pray in God's will. If you see it written in the scripture, that's God's will. So you're praying for a neighbor or a loved one that doesn't know the Lord. How do I know that's in God's will? Because it's God's will that none perish. Absolutely. So you can have confidence when you pray in that area. Now, if you're praying for a Mercedes, the latest one tonight, find the verse. Go ahead. If you find it, send it to me. Doesn't matter what you are. I got the translation. No, not your translation. A real translation. So, see, we have to be careful. But again, God loves to bless us and do good things. So I'm going to ask. I have a desire. I'm going to seek. I need direction, God. Here's the two paths. I don't know what to take. I don't know what to do, God. What is your will? I want to hear it. Give me a piece. And number three, this is the hard one. Knock. Determination. In other words, you got to keep asking. And while you're keeping asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, you have to believe that God is able and God will answer. See, in the original language, it says keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And well, how do I do that? Until God says, here's the answer. Or God says, I'm not going to answer that right now. Sometimes that happens. And God will just say, don't need to. Paul had that. Remember the, the thorn in his flesh? He stopped praying because God says, I'm not going to answer. My grace is sufficient. So that was the will of God. So we'll know that. And David is asking, God, I know I don't deserve it. And sometimes we have that. We have that ability. Well, God, man, I don't know. How, how can I ask? I mean, I haven't. God's gracious. Here's David. His whole psalm is written about asking. And he's basically blown it in the last chapter over and over and over again. Now, that means that when I'm asking, I can expect God to answer, and it will be in his way and in his time. Sometimes God says, wait. Sometimes God says, no. 
And sometimes God says yes. But they're all going to be in his timing. He will answer us. Now go back to 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. How did God answer the prayers we just read? Remember, David wrote this in the cave. He just didn't write this to be writing. He's praying. God, I need your help. I'm in a tight spot here. I don't know what to do. I'm all alone. I can't find any way out of this. What's next for me, God? That was the prayer he prayed. So when we go back to 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, notice what happens. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader, about 400 men who were with him. So remember I told you God answers our prayers in his timing, his way. What happened to David? Initially, he's all alone in this cave. So what does God send to him? 400 men. You'll see in a moment, David's family's with those people. But when you look at this, what kind of resumes do these men have? I mean, David's in trouble. He feels lonely. So what's God send him? Well, look at the team he sends him. The original word means they were distressed. That means they were stressed out. Thank you, Jesus. I need 400 men that are stressed out. I'm glad I'm fine. The next ones. He sends 400 men and they're in debt. They're saying, where's the next meal? Well, didn't you bring something with it? No, we don't have anything. How many are there of you? 400. Thank you, Jesus. Number two. And the third meaning of the word discontented, an interesting meaning in the original language, it means they had been mistreated and they were bitter. Now, just think about this for a moment. Would you call that the B team or the Y team or the X team? or Where's the A team? That's who God sends. Their resumes are a disaster. What a disaster. Now, why were these people like this? Well, this gives us a picture of what was happening in the country of Israel. Remember, Saul is a madman. He'd been overtaxing people all over the country. So there was despair and there was depression. And these people had had it. They were depressed, stressed out, in debt, mistreated, bitter about it. There was no hope. And so they somehow, God, by the way, David didn't pray for them to come, but that's going to be God's solution. David didn't go out and say, is there anybody who wants to join me? God put it in the heart of these people. He directed them there. So they were here and God moved them from here to there. In today's teaching, you learned that when David was in a tight spot, his first response was to seek God's counsel and wisdom. Pastor Mark used the Psalms that David wrote in these situations to illustrate what David's attitude was. He was honest about his feelings and his desires, but ultimately trusted God for the outcome. This is a good lesson to take to heart. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about David's life. Even though David feels alone, God will begin bringing people to David for him to lead. Although in the future, this band will become a fearsome fighting force, at this time, they are the complete opposite. You'll hear about how God will use these times to make David into the kind of leader men will be willing to follow. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through his series called The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.